Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. From Asthma Core Studios near Detroit, Michigan, it's unregimented. Gangsters, what's up, guys? And now, here are your hosts, Aaron, Chris, and Rich. Welcome to Unregimented, episode number 168. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows if human ears will ever hear this? No. Everything will be fine. <laughs> My name is Chris. I'm Aaron. Rich uh, should be joining us shortly. He's running yes, a bit he's, behind. He's en route. And this was a this was a crazy week. I I started actually following conservatives <laughs> on Twitter uh, this week just so I could keep up Why? with what the fuck everyone was talking about. <laughs> well, it it. It's useful to keep yourself informed, and true. And but following conservatives it, is that really keeping? That's knowing thy enemy, I guess you could say. Well, it's hard to criticize. Uh, oh fuck! What's her name? What's the blonde name? The skinny one, Ann Coulter. Uh, Ann, it's hard to criticize people like Ann Coulter if you don't know what kind of bullshit they're spouting. This is true, and she just spouts bullshit constantly. She's like one of those uh, octopus sprinklers that just spins around, <laughs> just, just, <laughs> just sprays, just sprays out nonsense every tentacle. constantly. It's actually quite entertaining. I mean, there's there's things that I want to like on Twitter. It's just that that would show support, and it, <laughs> I know, right? There's not like an ironic like button. I know, right? They, they need an ironic button. Let's go social media. Let's get an ironic like button, an ironic retweet, an ironic retweet. Wow, try to say that one, man. Ironic retweet. (laughs) That is a tongue twister. Yes. So, yeah, we're we're actually going to have this out the day after the inauguration, but we don't. We're recording the night before, right? So we actually don't know how ridiculous it was, but we did get to see him. Working feverishly on his address at all we know is it, at a Mexican it, restaurant somewhere. <laughs> it, it was the best inauguration ever. It was huge, man. He it was, it was so many people. People had so much fun with that photo of him, though. The way that he's curling up the the notepad just enough so that you there's no way you could see if there was anything actually written on there. <laughs> Because it was he's just sitting there going there, fuck, I got nothing. <laughs> right, because that page was as blank as what he had at his uh, his uh, press meeting, his uh, press conference. It's like you want to tell the- him, like, hey, you know, they're speechwriters, right? Like, it's an actual job. Right. Like, all the presidents of the last you know hundred years have had them at least. Right. I mean, even Obama, he was a great speaker and was definitely eloquent off the cuff. But if there was a major speech to be given. Then he had calling the pros. Yeah, I'm sure he had input, and he certainly delivered it well, regardless. But yeah, nobody believes nobody believes that you wrote any of your books. Why would we think that you wrote your own speech? Come on, Trump! Don't you watch Designated Survivor? Isn't that Kumar's okay. job? But on Designated Survivor, Cal Penn. I'm curious why he picked that office to sit in to write his speech. Because I. 
I did see somebody. Joke. Somebody posted solidarity it. with the Mexican community. <laughs> right. It says, "Yeah, it looks like a, a listen." Tile, I love your it's food. It's a tile background. It looks like it's in a it Mexican restaurant. It's the best food for speech writing. It gets the juices flowing. Somebody actually posted on Twitter uh, a picture, just some random picture of a secretary that it's from a different angle, but she seems to be sitting at the very same desk in front of that uh, that background. So it seems like he just went, oh, this looks like a good you know background for my shot. Let's say I'm sitting here in this office thinking, and they, they kicked her off her desk. Puts his thumb and his forefinger right. on his chin. Looks up. Just like, All right, take the picture. That was everybody's favorite moment on Twitter. I think next to maybe there was some excerpts from an interview, and I forget which it might have been more than one reporter that was with him. And they were in his bedroom, and there were books out. And he's and they're like, oh, so you know, you've got some books on your nightstand there. Tell us about what you read. And he's like, oh, I, I, like, I like reading books. You know, books are great. Books are the best. Books, books, and books. Ham. Books, books, books. Yeah, everybody should read books. I read books all the time. It's People magazine. Okay, so the reporter says, any in particular that you might want to suggest? Well, you know, the they're all great. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of books that, uh, that are out there that are really informative and whatnot and blah, 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 blah. And I... Uh, he says, okay, well, what about one of the books that's on your nightstand currently? And on, on the nightstand are two books that he got sent to him from CNN, you know, the, the, fake, news, uh, the fake news organization. Yes. <laughs> right. And he's like, yeah, book, yeah, these are great books. These are both great books. You know, uh, CNN has a great history. And, uh, yeah, these are, these are definitely books about them. <laughs> And I think the subject was then dropped of books. That was the most yep. Trump was forced to say book, the word book, in in one five minute stretch than uh, than he had ever encountered in his life. I think. There you go, everybody. <laughs> That's our future. Yeah, to me, it's not. It's not whether or not he reads books. Or, or whether or not we think he's educated. The real thing that seals the deal is his attitude when being called on the spot to say, oh, yeah, well, tell me about what you read. And, Dude, like, and, that's the thing. Like, don't we realize, like, isn't, it. like, 50, 60 years ago, isn't this guy, like, selling us cars? <laughs> right, at least, at least Bush just came out and said, I don't read books. Yeah. Yeah, you don't even read the newspaper. Yeah, it's the only thing. A you read. Mexican lady. I think, I think that's what he morning. said. Is I only read the newspaper, and that's read to me. Hey, Juanita, read me the news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Trump apparently, uh, like, like I just people just don't get what they. It's not who; it's what got elected. Like, and that's what. I guess nobody understands. I don't know. You know, I, but then I guess we start falling into the people that are really starting to become more annoying to me, or just the. And I guess I need to take it for what it is. Just the people on social media who like just don't understand that they are the same thing, just the other way. Like, I don't know. I just. Well, yeah, 
I mean, certainly the, like that. Like that meme I sent you today. I was like, wow. Which like one? The person who posted this, the the one with Obama, they said, well, it's still time for uh, death camps. Uh, what was it? You know, all the just all the crazy propaganda, all the right wing people spewed the Tea Partiers and shit for the last eight years. Okay, uh, so uh, I mean, they're having so they're, one day for him to come take your gun and FEMA camps right. and all that crap. They're having it's liberals having fun with some of the more wilder claims that uh, right wingers have had against Obama. But it's but they're doing all the this. same exact thing. They're feeding into the they're feeding the beast. Uh, well, like, I okay. guess that's what they don't get. I guess if if you keep it as general because, as feeding the beast is like you're you're actually like energizing your opposition, you know. Well, because but, I but, guess the thing that popped in my mind instantly this- was like how I could poke holes in that immediately. It's like, all right, well, what's going to happen tomorrow? We're rounding up all black people, gays, anyone who's not white. We're just putting them all in the van and we're building the wall. You know what I'm saying? Like that's that's what I'm saying. It's the extremism the other way. Yes. And it's silly to me. And just as annoying. <laughs> and it's only the beginning. I guess this is where I'm going with this. Right. I don't know. I mean, if if that's the worst of our political debate, is calling each other libtards and snowflakes and, um, you know, rednecks or whatever whatever uh, horrible word we want to call each other in order to make us feel better or superior to them, uh, that's still not a bad system. <laughs> but I guess my problem it, is we're, could di- be we're dividing ourselves. We're not even letting, we're not letting, we're, they, we're not even letting, the leaders don't even need to divide us. We're doing it for them. Well, I guess, I, I, I guess I'm coming around more to the belief that it's not, that are sometimes outrageous and exaggerated language and overreaction to things uh, is is the thing that's dividing us. It's that we just actually have very different beliefs, and I don't I don't know how how you overcome that. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot to be. Are we too far broken? (laughs) Is that where we're going with this? No, but I I guess because I'm so. uh, I have the mind of a liberal still, and I argue with myself, you know? (laughs) And. Uh, I hear you. I can can see. I can see that. And and I, I tend to agree with. Well, I agree with your broader point on this, but it also takes me to places like satire. You you kind of have to give everybody free reign to to spout their nonsense, no matter how effective you think it is, or or whether it furthers or hurts the conversation or or divides us. I, Absolutely, but I think the problem is is there's the part of my brain that goes, "Holy shit, we're dumb." Like I told you, part of my part of my problem with the election, it wasn't so much that Donald Trump got elected; it was more of the initial shock of like, "Holy shit, we're as dumb as I thought we were." Well, like that's the thing is like now we can't 
Dude, we okay. have a whole generation coming up where context, irony, and satire are lost and don't exist with. I guess that's the thing now. Think about... I guess that's kind of where I'm at. Anyone, anyone in life who makes a bad decision, it's usually either because they don't know any better or because they're desperate. And I kind of look at this more as a desperation thing. And it's... While there's just as many ignorant voters out there as there have been in any election, you you had a a group of people who um, were willing to risk a lot just to see something different. And it's certainly not this across-the-board rabid support where people are just overcome with his personality you know he he's not charming his way into power the way he thinks he is yeah he ain't fucking john kennedy he's he happened to he happened to link up with the right people and get the right message in his mouth and uh and took a gamble there was more like-minded people out there than than the rest of the population understood so i mean it's a stupid move yeah i and there are stupid people who voted for Trump, no doubt. But there's a lot more people who are smart and would have probably rather have voted for some other conservative, but felt like they didn't really have any kind of choice at all. I blame Bernie. He, he should have kept running. He's independent. What do you have to lose? Right. I mean, there's so many news stories out there following up with what happened in this election and they're especially because I listen to a lot of NPR and they're doing, they like to do a lot of Trump outreach, I guess I would call it where they, uh, they definitely have talked way more to the Trump people than the Hillary people post election. We have an actual Republican here, an actual Republican here in our studios today. They got him in glass. Right. Right. (laughs) People are lining up to see him. Ooh, look at his white skin. Right. I mean, it's hard to to figure out whether their intention is more to uh, draw attention to these crazy things that some of these voters believe or whether it's an honest outreach to the other side. I guess guess it could be the whole disenfranchised thing that everybody's got. You know, that's supposedly part of how he got in. Like, I get that. You know, I was a teenager once, you know, in the suburbs, and I'm white. Are you kidding? You I, almost voted for, <laughs> I almost voted for Gary Johnson. I get the disenfranchised shit. Yeah, I, I get it, but it was just like, no, not him. I right. just like, it's just as a person, nothing to do with and I think, his, the way he runs his business or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Like, he just seems like an asshole. Right. At some point, it seemed like in this country, and maybe I'm wrong because, I, you know, we've only seen a few, a handful of presidents, really, in our lifetime, but it used to be more about the type of person, you elected the person that not only you thought could lead the country, but represented what your country was about, and yeah, that's the thing is, I, maybe I don't want to believe that that's 
that's the representation of us now. <laughs> well, like, that's no, the perfect president for us right well, now. Well, I think that's a representation of a, a, some of us, and I, that's certainly the way the world sees us, which is the unfortunate side effect of having a president like this. But I think that people have moved away from thinking of the president as a representation of the as a as an ambassador to the country really and just as a guy who needs to get shit done so we just need to get the asshole who knows how to get shit done because that's what we've been told in movies and you know the guy who the shark quote unquote that gets promoted above you because he just he may be an asshole but he gets results yeah. yeah, but the it, problem is with people like that is you can only be an asshole for so long before people just revolt on you. Right. Like, I guess that's what I'm kind of scared of, too, because we're, we're, I, I hate to say it, but we're, we're not the most exactly the most informed group here in the USA. Right. And I don't know if I'd like to see uh, emotional revolution coming out of this bunch well like yeah no uh, the trump supporters are still on a high just from winning something that they didn't believe was possible and they're as high as they're going to get like it is all downhill from here they can go nowhere but disappointed in whatever it is that the issue that they thought that he was going to get done that he's not able to or doesn't do right or whatever it may be. And the after party is going to be a bitch, man. <laughs> there's going to be a lot of grumpy, no, right. there's going to be a lot of grumpy Trump supporters that can just mumble themselves. Well, still better than Hillary. For it's going to be the worst come down ever. Take the worst acid come down you've ever had. And multiply it by 50. That's how bad it's going to be. Yeah. The bigger question is, is this an anomaly or a trend? I guess I, know, we'll, right? I guess we'll see. We'll see who like, got, starts the, getting real attention, well, in about two years when they start uh, selecting candidates for the next presidential election. You know, I mean, is this, is this where it starts to, you know, like fucking uh, Coke insignia on the White House or some shit like right. that? Like the, the the shit is this? Hey, all the movies we saw when we were a kid—is this the beginning of our dystopian future? <laughs> is this where it all starts going wrong? Yeah. Are the are the machines going to rise up soon? I don't know if we will see. I don't know if we'll see somebody as an a, as a much of a dark horse as Trump is or was. But I'm sure we're, we're more likely to see a more extreme election next time around for president. Whoever, whoever, whoever Steve they Austin pick, versus The Rock. Whoever gets picked is going to not like throwing folding chairs or anything like that. <laughs> but just, you know, you're going to get extreme leftists and extreme rightists, rightists, extreme right. Stone Cold 2020. Oh, but we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We already want this to be over. <laughs> like, yeah, but in four years. <laughs> when he really embarrasses himself to everybody. Well, he's already, I mean, the, the after party is already kicking in. The, the, the come down is, is happening. He's entering. I have to think. He's entering with the inauguration with record low support from the populace, including people who voted for him. I've seen that. 
Right, and you know, uh, which, where, which, which, where, which, where was this on November eighth, people? Right, where was this in November? Where was this on November eighth? Oh, you want to talk regret though? Now, when we were talking a little bit uh, off air before we recorded this, you had mentioned that this phenomenon was spreading across the world; that it wasn't just this American thing, and. Yeah, the Brexit vote, which a lot of people are paralleling with the, with what happened with Trump here, uh, has found to be at I think fifteen percent still for it. So that leaves eight. Yeah, it was eighty five percent. So it passed with what like sixty? Wasn't it close to like sixty percent? So that's thirty percent of people who voted for it and went, oh shit. What did I do? <laughs> yeah, way to way to inform yourselves, people. Good job, everybody. And you know, there's there's a lot of talk too of because hey. you, Trump Trump has mentioned this Brexit thing, which he thinks is great because he likes the comparison too. I think not not just he doesn't just like the fact that they're uh, breaking off from the union. But he likes the fact that there's a movement happening over there that he feels like he's heading up here in America. And oh, Hey, man, yes. maybe this is the kick in the ass we need as a species to get our asses to Mars. All right? All right, maybe, maybe <laughs> we come out of the next four years with, hey, we, we made it to Mars. We need, we need our, a... <laughs> they're, they're building condos. They'll be ready in 2030. We need a two-world solution. Yeah, this one ain't big enough for the both of us. I was telling you guys in the chat, man. I'm telling you, we crowdfund escape pods. All right. Yeah. Well, well it's gonna we'll, be. We'll let you know how it turns out, everybody. Yeah, I think all the liberals will stay here on Earth. All the conservatives will go to Mars, and uh, I'll just hide out in the the libertarian asteroid belt like a space pirate. And then in 2050, we elect our first robot president. I think, I think it'll be sooner just, than that. It's Stephen Hawking in a robot body. Yeah. The last man to lose his job to a robot, the president. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It's people losing jobs. American All prisoner is going to be losing a job. To us. <laughs> An American prisoner is going to be losing their job to, to another Mexican immigrant. <laughs> oh yeah, they found El Chapo. I saw him in cuffs. I didn't. So what? Yeah. What happened? I, you know, I guess I stopped following El Chapo in the news. Last time I heard was I think the last time he escaped. I didn't know that the the Mexican government had him. But there. I, yeah, me either. Was this I, a known? I know was really what? Yeah, I don't know if that, this was a known thing ahead of time, or they were just like, "Hey, guess what? We got El Chapo, and we're handing him over." Yeah, I, I just know what the AP parts is out to me on my phone yeah. throughout the day, and I just like all of a sudden it's like Mexico is handing over El Chapo. Like, oh, right. All right. I didn't even know they fucking still had him. And then it's like El Chapo lands in New York. Okay. Oh, all right. And hmm, the last day of Obama's presidency, the day before Trump, is it? Is this just coincidence? They didn't want to give him to Trump. They were like, "If we're gonna get, if we're gonna give him over to the Americans, we got to do it now." 
Yeah. <laughs> if, they, if they handed him over, over to Trump, it would have been on a slab with like a, a, a note knifed through his chest that says, I'm not paying for your feckin' wall. Or, or Trump would have just like put him in a slingshot, <laughs> put him in a catapult, said, no, take him back. I don't want him. This is your criminal. Get him out of here. Are you kidding? He's just They're handing him over because they realize they don't have anywhere left to keep him. He's taking an American criminal's job. He there's right? there's no oh, my drug lord's homegrown. There is nowhere in Mexico where they can incarcerate him and he not have some way out. He's either got guys I mean, that's, guys that's digging juice in right there. Yeah, he's either got guys digging in or guys on the inside letting him out. That's a baller move. So that's that's why they <laughs> that's why they have to hand him over. They don't know what else to do with them. Listen, we're so fucked as a country, as a government, we can't hold this guy. You take him. Yeah, well, we know what to do with him. Yeah. They caught that guy. Uh, it's a big so, week for so, Orlando, too. Yeah, for all the wrong reasons, well, again. Right. The guy who shot the cop at the Walmart in Orlando, they caught him. He showed up uh, to his court date with his head was bandaged. you see any photos of him? His his one no. his one eye is completely pa- covered with a patch, and his head is bandaged, and he's kind of like bleeding from his mouth too. And oh, he's he, got his ass whooped. He, yeah, he got his ass whooped major. He fucking shot that cop in cold blood. Like not only wounded her so that he could get away, but instead stood over her and emptied his gun into her. Like this guy is cold blooded. This is also the same guy that they suspect of killing his pregnant wife. He shows up to court all beat up and was like, this is all bullshit, lies about me. These guys are beating up on me. Uh, The judge, of course, had no sympathy for him, which he told the judge to fuck off and that he was going to represent himself. I was like, "Uh, that works out so well. Like, I know back in history. I know none none of the cops want to be on the hook for this if it happened, but couldn't one of you just like hit him a little bit harder? Like, yeah, no worry. Couldn't you just kept going? This is one that I'm okay with just removing from the population completely. Yeah, he uh, showed kind of no lack for. Yeah, right. he, there's lack, lack of remorse, oh, oh. no respect for life. He, he was he was talking on and on, and the judge was like, you know, this is just your preliminary, and everything that you're saying is being recorded, so I recommend that you just shut up. And he's like, no, this is I'm going to keep talking because these you guys are are spreading lies about me. And uh, he said something about the Walmart. Like he goes, I was at that Walmart. I was there alone. So he admits that he was at the crime scene at his deposition. I mean, this guy is toast, and cl- also clearly did it. But and the judge pretty much starts to be right. like, hey, man, you know they're going to whoop your ass again when they take you out of here if you keep talking, right? right. You'll have two bandages the next time I see you. Right. Not that I want to promote like a judge dread society where, where the cops are judge, jury, and executioner, but, you know, shit happens. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's, but the, you could argue that that oh hey shit happens. Uh, attitude was kind of like the whole Freddie Gray situation. Oh whoops, yeah, took that corner at thirty. Oh whoops, 
took that corner 30 again. Oh, is your back hurt? Oh, whoops. Took right. that corner 30 again. Oh, definitely. Uh, that shit happens. And then you got a dead kid. But this guy, no, yeah, the, this is a different, because Freddie Gray was kind of picked up under suspicious circumstances. This yeah, guy, yeah, he, em- he emptied a clip into a human being. Right, yeah. Well, I guess that's life, you know. The guy who deserves it never really gets it. True. Yeah, because, too, if, you, if you're a cop killer and you go to jail, I mean, aren't you kind of a hero? I mean, to probably not the guards, but <laughs> to, the pop- to, the, to the population. Oh yeah, well, I still. I mean, I wouldn't feel any safer. Probably, yeah, the guards probably <laughs> whoop your ass on a daily basis. I'd feel like, hey, one, what's up, cop killer? I might feel Bam. one notch safer than a child molester in prison. <laughs> one notch? Yeah, just one, maybe a half notch. <laughs> Jesus! Oh, Rich popped his head up. Oh. Wah, 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 wah. Oh, shit, I think I hung up on Chris. Oh, oops. Hold on a sec. Here, I'm going to call you. Damn it. Call on hold. Are you fucking kidding me? Hello? Yo. Okay, uh, sorry. Okay, there we go. We got it. Wizard. All right. So I have a new contact, Sporgy. Huh? It says Sporgy called me. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, this, well, that's just from... That's, that's when group. I initiate the call. The group. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That's just what my phone has it saved as. Right, so so what have you guys uh, talked about so far? Um, wait, we'll, we'll fill you in. In... Uh, in show, I guess. Let's okay. just, uh, hey, Rich, you're joining us. Yes, yeah, finally. Hello. Sorry. Oh, no problem. We were just having, I mean, you didn't miss much. Same old talk about Trump. We got our jollies out about ripping on him about not actually writing his own address and uh, not actually having an office in a Mexican restaurant. Or maybe he does, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, I mean, is it, is it is it shocking that he's not writing his own? Uh, no, yeah, we, we we talked about that too. It's it's ludicrous that anyone would think that he was writing his own. He he never wrote any of his own books. He, I mean, so what? He, he he's a president now, right? He has he has speech writers. Everyone, yeah, isn't everybody that a given? uses them. Yes, it's a given. Yeah, um, yeah. Where were we anyway? Uh, I don't remember. Yeah, well, we could. Uh, we didn't get to some of the more entertaining uh, hearings on Trump's cabinet this last week. I know there's been so much shit going on, and these can be some of the most boring shit ever. Well, I know the re- I know the reason that I send my kid to school packing a fucking forty five is in case grizzly bears wander through the front door of the school. So right, what is that? <laughs> that, that hey, where I'm at, that could happen. That to was. Be fair. Okay, but okay. So DeVos is from Michigan, and uh, we don't have grizzlies here, right? I mean, we have bears somewhere. Yeah, oh, oh, I mean, there's black bears up north. Yeah, there's black bears. Don't we have panthers? Well, sure. <laughs> I mean, 
I yeah, mean, it's, I, no, but that I think that is like a panther or bobcat or something. It would be about the largest predator. Maybe a black bear. I don't know. No, my dad yeah, shot. My dad shot a black bear, but I don't think he did it in state. I think he went out to like somewhere in like Colorado or some shit. Well, I don't know. Either way, I'm not really sure where she was going with that one. I mean, this is a this is a common occurrence where that uh, grizzly bears or other predators just show up at schools and start threatening the kids. You know what it is? It's fucking pandering to the gun crowd without saying, "Oh, in case a school shooter wanders through the door," because they don't want to. They don't want to bring that up because people get an you know an image of Sandy Hook and Columbine, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's right. It's just it's it's just I mean more bullshit, really. I mean, it, let's be honest. First of all, school shootings. They don't happen every fucking day. It's not like something you got to worry about on a constant basis. Second of all, grizzly bears wandering into your school <laughs> is even more rare than school shootings. So, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know. I, I can't you just say safety? Yeah, that would that would have been, uh, I guess she's not good on her feet. <laughs> no. I didn't. It's like. Well, Give me an example of, of, of a really bad day. Uh, the earth opens up and a crack to hell appears and I fall in it. What the fuck? You know? <laughs> like, it's the most random I mean, is shit. It this, is this kind of where like, the Jim Jeffries routine about guns would come in, pretty much? Like, fuck, fuck it. I like guns. You, yeah, just say you <laughs> like guns. Like, that's really what you're saying. Well, no, I, so I, I hear you. I hear you on that one. DeVos is... Yeah, like I said, she's from Michigan, pretty famous around Michigan because, well, I'm kind of, well, uh, I'm almost of two minds with this woman because my kids go to a charter school and they always have. And I like the education that they get there. They like the education. They're doing quite well. I have really nothing bad to say about my and my kids' experiences with charter schools that doesn't necessarily make her just because she's so in support of that and has put a lot of her own effort and and probably money as well into making this happen in in this state uh that doesn't necessarily make her good to head up education for the nation in general she doesn't really seem to have much opinion about education outside of that people should have choices. Well, what and, worries what worries me is she's never been to public school in her education, right? And her, her children own. don't go to public school, so why are we putting her in charge of public school? Right, somebody who not only has uh, well, charter schools are one thing. She, she, she it's the voucher. Well, program. she's going to be in for a the rude vo- awakening too, man. If, well, if she's going to be in. Out of the public education, I, as someone who was in private school and then switched to public, it was I, I basically did the year I just did before all over. Like I did ninth grade again in tenth. Oh my god! Do you she's think she's going to the system and be like, "Holy shit!" What do you think she's going to actually go and visit public schools? Perish I mean, the, they have to as far as the, the thought. They have to as far as photo ops, right? Like so I guess so. She, you know. One so, one to four of these yeah. throughout her throughout her. We're gonna head up education. They gotta you know get a get a photo op like, with some brown kids. 
Yeah, she can't just, like, take a picture with an owl that's wearing a fucking mortarboard. Like, she's got to actually probably be seen in a school. <laughs> no. Well, so she's, the, ho- she's but, holding a ruler. But, the, okay, so the voucher, pro- the voucher program is the one that really scares me. Because that's basically saying that you can... Well, it seems like more of a tax write-off, ultimately. But you can tax write-off private school, including... Uh, religions, religious-based private schools. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with subsidizing? That's evening. That's evening the playing field. As how far is that as... evening the play? Well, for, first of all, it's not separate. That means it's, poor it's, kids can get good education instead of having to settle what's closest to their house. It's not by any means separation of church and state. It violates that, and. Also, uh, you're talking about a, a private institution, a for-profit school that... Uh, hey, man, that maybe gonna... if there's a bottom line involved, <laughs> you might not have districts like Detroit Public Schools. That, whoa, whoa, okay, whoa, whoa, but wait, whoa, whoa. hold on. Hold there's there's, a, there's a bigger picture here, though. Let me finish this. Uh, these, these are only available in certain locations in this country, and it's definitely not going down in the inner city. So that means that you have a lot less dollars for the same amount of kids in inner cities and a lot more dollars being funneled into private institutions that are supporting specific religions and having that subsidized by the government. Yeah, I have a lot of problems with that scenario. But doesn't, okay, but doesn't wait, everybody get a voucher? Wait a minute. Okay, hold up. Time out. A voucher to do quick, what wanna... and go where? I just want to clear something up here real are quick. You gonna, are they going to send an Uber, too, so they can take them on a half-hour ride uptown so they can go to a private school? Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So Catholic schools are for-profit schools? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, you have to pay solution. to go to them. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 no. I understood you had to pay to go to them, but I thought they were, because they were Catholic schools and they were tax-exempt, they were non-profit schools. They basically, you were paying to keep the school running, they weren't running the school to make a profit. It works the same as a church. A church, you know, is a non-profit, but it's very profitable. Correct. Well, that just makes me fucking have a bigger heart on against fucking right parochial schools in the first place. Okay. Yeah, I mean, the only thing right. I'll give them is the the quality of the education is that's, fucking that's, way better than the public that's, school. That's not even that's not even an argument. Anyone that would argue that the quality of education you get at a parochial school is is equal or or below public school right. is fucking retarded. Right, but that's all there is to it. If we were talking about a solution that was giving that same high level of education availability to everyone equally in this nation that needs it, then I would absolutely be all for it. But that is not what we're talking about. This is we're talking about letting upper middle class kids uh be able to afford to go to a private school and have that money come directly out of the public school's money that still has to support nearly the same amount of kids that will have to do more with less. I think we lost Chris again. No, I'm here. Oh, you, you dropped, did you drop out earlier? Because it made a little... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I keep thinking that I lost you then. Well, Aaron, like, you don't think there's, like, parochial schools in the city? What? Jesus don't live. Jesus, you can't go to church in the hood. I mean, they're they're there. You're acting like they, they, the private schools. It's they're only in the suburbs. I mean, granted, there's not as many as there used to be, 
but they're there. I mean, I, I, I like it better than the system we got now where it's like you have to go to what's closest to you and hopefully it's a good run district. And if not, good fucking luck. It's, it's better than that. Well, the voucher program, well, yeah. Are you saying it's, it's, it's better than just being stuck with the school that's closest to you? Yes, it's, it's, it's at least another option, and everyone gets a fair shot. Everyone gets a voucher. Whether or not you use it is up to you. And I'll tell you what, I don't have kids, but I've watched plenty of parents figure shit out if it means better uh, opportunities for their kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've, you know, I'm sure parents will teach their kids how to read a bus schedule. Here, walk three blocks this way, catch this bus. Get, I mean, I'm sure if they're given the opportunity, especially to help the, to get their kids get a leg up, people will figure shit out. I mean, I know we just were talking about earlier how I think how dumb we are, and we confirmed it on November 8th, but I don't know. I guess there's still some part of me that goes, you know, when you're, when you're in your mode of protecting you and yours, you will figure shit out to make shit happen if it means your offspring, you know, have a better opportunity than you. I'm, saying, I'm not speaking as a parent. I'm just saying this is what I've gleaned from watching my own parents, from my friends be parents, my sister be a parent. I mean, that's really that's all I got on that. Yeah. Well, unless it actually, unless there was a plan to actually give inner city kids the uh, the option to uh, have better education in there, I don't see how. All all you have is a few more kids. If everyone gets a, a, a voucher. Few, a there few is more a kids, plan. A few more kids get a a bit better education, and a lot more kids get swept under the rug. Uh, and, go on, and go sure. on to then mm. become drains on society, whether it's like welfare voucher, is a plan. or uh, crime or whatever it is. Okay, but Aaron, you keep saying you keep saying inner city kids. Yeah, and let's let's be honest here. Okay, yeah, that is a, a portion of this, but you have a lot of kids whose families live in the middle of the fucking boondocks, where there are no private schools around them. I mean, if you go up to like. Yale that's and KPEC and, and you, know, you know, up in the Thumb area, you have graduating classes of 12 kids. You know, the <clears throat> elementary, junior, and high school are all in the same building yeah. type shit. No, you're, um, abs- you're absolutely right on that. I mean, th- you're not giving those opportunities to rural kids either. You know, and just because, you know, people, people it's, I know it's counterintuitive because people go, oh, well, you know, one of the main arguments people have about public schools, we need smaller class sizes, a better teacher-to-child ratio, et cetera, et cetera. But that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily guarantee you're getting the best of the best just because you do have a smaller class size and a better teacher-to-student ratio. I mean... Someone had to graduate at the bottom of that class, all right? Yeah. Well, you know, there are some D minus average bachelor degrees floating around out there. Well, also, any public school has to follow guidelines in order to get federal and state funding, and those are quite restrictive. And that's part of the concept of charter schools is that they are not restricted in those ways, and they have more freedom to adapt the, their learning to fit their student body. Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess we've already. If we wanted to have a real conversation about fixing the education system, then there's a major conversation to have. I just think there's so many more ways to do it without 
immediately defunding public schools that will hurt the poorest people first and having religion tied up in any, in the conversation at all. But it's not, but it's just, it, trust I, me, you know, know I'm not that, a fan of religion, but I, it's saying, you, it, Aaron, we've already crossed the bridge of everyone gets a free education. Just with the vouchers, it's going, hey, it just doesn't, it, you don't have to just go to Brand X now. You can go anywhere else. It's saying, I know that we failed you. Our system sucks. The education system that we have in place really sucks dick, but we're not going to be able to do anything about it for a long-ass time. So in the meantime, here's a healthy tax break so you can go get a real education from some private organization. It's better than continuing what's happening now that's not working. It's a complete fail on the side of the government just saying, we give up. We don't know what to fucking do with this anymore. It's at least, it's, it's something instead of continuing doing what you were doing that was not getting great results. Lots of things are something. Uh, the, ACA, than- the ACA sucks dick. Pulling it out will suck more. You can't just say, oh, it's better than doing nothing. Well, sometimes it's not better than doing nothing. Sometimes you can actually just make things worse by thinking that you're just going to uh, overhaul something. And it doesn't, I mean, if we're just going to be resigned to having our entire education system privatized, then I guess that's what's going to happen. There, there's, there will be no such thing as public education unless you are just so dirt poor that there's no way anybody can come up with the money to, to front to get you to school to then write it off on their taxes. Maybe it will lead to better results. Like, if DPS had to show a profit at the end of the year to keep operating, they might not be in the shape that they're in. Uh, uh, DPS? Detroit Detroit Public Schools. Okay. Instead, they're allowed to continue to operate at a deficit, and person after person keeps getting nailed for bilking them out of money. Well, but the The charter schools have been quite successful in Detroit, though, in the inner city part of Detroit. Yeah, yeah. Well, having, it's having, all inner having, city. What am I saying? Having having uh, uh, worked to where I would deliver to public and charter schools in Detroit. Yeah, the charter schools are above and beyond the public schools. Obviously, um, however, you can't just point at you know the Detroit school system and go, "Well, this is you know an example of public schools. Detroit public school system is one of the worst in the country. I mean, that's just, that's all there is to it. Yeah. Their, gradu- their graduation rate is like what? Under, uh, I think it's less than 25%. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. So you can't, you can't point to them and go, well, this is, there's an example of public schools. No, it's the worst example of public schools. My, my concern is when you private, when you start privatizing things like this, you start, Instead of kids getting an education, kids become a product. Right. Well, you know, and we've and, and if you think and if you think that doesn't affect how shit is done, look at the private privatization of prisons. And yes, how shit is well, wrong. I mean, we we don't really have a problem with it with college. Uh <laughs> that's a whole other conversation I mean, I, too. Yeah, I, I, I do I mean, have not a. The, not the th- not the three of us. I mean, just as a whole, as a country, we don't seem to have a problem with it. Yeah, I I don't I have a problem with it, but that's like a whole other conversation. 
I mean, at this point, it's a conversation about how viable is it anyways, and is it even worth it? But that's kind of a well, subject. Yeah, because uh, the, other, the other conversation is, you know, you can uh, be a lazy piece of shit that has a bachelor's degree. You know, a bachelor's, does, having a bachelor's degree just doesn't make you a hard worker. But that's a whole different bag of shit. No, you, I mean, you're right. It used to be, you know, if you had oh. a two-year degree, you went to school for two years and you had a two-year degree. But, but I, know, I know people now that go to school for eight years and they're like, hey, I got my two-year degree. And I'm like, you've been in school for eight years. What are, what are you taking, one class a fucking semester? What the fuck? Well, I, I mean, I, I want to I wrap up public education, though, real quick, though, because when we talk about how money is involved in public and education, they actually did a study recently where they looked at uh, well, they, they looked at whether uh, an increase in money would actually directly result in an increase in results when it came to public education, and they allotted $1,000 per student per year and tracked this over a very lengthy period of, I think it was like 15 years. And they found significant results. Uh, I think it was overall uh, you had uh, 11% higher uh, students that are in you know your upper percentile, A students, and a 7% increase in graduation. Um, these, and this was these, privatizing? No, no, no. This was simply taking public education and saying, here's $1,000 per student per year for whatever your needs are, books. Paying for better, ah. paying, paying for better teachers, uh, so just funding it better. renovations. Yeah, better, better funding for the public school, and you know, seven percent higher graduation rate it seems like kind of a small number, but that's a pretty significant increase that equates to if you applied that across the nation, millions of people, and again, this is all an investment in how do we want the next generation to be do, do we want to continue to have a thriving nation of smart healthy people who make good choices as a whole then we need to support this because when we fail them at a public school level if that's their first encounter with government is government doesn't give a shit about you and they're kind of forced to educate you, but they really don't know what else to do with you now, so they're just going to house you in this room and make you memorize things. If that's the extent of your education, yeah, you're not going to be all gung-ho about what's next for me and, and, and learning. And it's not going to seem like that big of a deal if you don't graduate. And you'll probably be ultimately less successful in society and paying less taxes and in some cases even being a burden. So your social security or whatever you might get not only is uh is less because less people are are actually out there paying into the system and paying taxes but some of them are even costing tax dollar money because we have to house them in a prison or pay for their rehab or their health care or some other shit that they got into and these it all starts with our public education system and if you just drain that of funds imagine if you start taking away those funds, I can't say whether the results will be drastically as much in the in the other way. If if we lose an average of thousand dollars per student per year, that we'll see seven percent less of a graduating class. 
See, but you if, see but, this, but if we see, but if we see anywhere funds, near, I look at this and making them fight if, for them. If we if we come anywhere near that, then that's going to be millions of people who aren't graduating, who are not contributing to society, and being a drag on our society. And but making them fight for them, fight with what? Fight, make your product, make your school worth come going on. to. R- right. Uh, here's a wooden sword and a shield. Fight for fight for uh, your right to educate our children. And by the way, we'll be back next week to pick up the sword. What do you mean wooden sword and a shield? <laughs> giving mean, them nothing to work with. Draining them of funds and saying, well, fight for it then. That's... <laughs> I mean, that's a very low opinion of, of what education should be in this country. I, I per, okay, I, personally, this is just my opinion. I don't think, it, 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 this really sucks and it's really cynical, but it's just how I feel. Most teachers and most schools, when it comes to public education, are teaching you to be a good worker bee, to be a good drone. That's it. Well, the bell they, rings, they, you get up, you respond, you leave. Sit down, be quiet. They don't teach you how to think. They teach you what to think. They don't because they have a quota. To... They have a quota the same way the cop does. Most cops aren't out policing. They're just out no, exa- filling up a ex- quota. Exactly. That that angered a buddy of mine who's a cop. When basically him and I got into a debate, and I said, you know, look, man, I understand you became a cop because you wanted to do good, but basically all you're doing is revenue collecting. Right. Deny to me that your captain ever told you that you have to get a certain amount of number of tickets per month. Deny that to me. Because every cop has heard it. Every fucking guy out there on the beat has heard it, no matter where he's working. And and there's there's a there's a phrase called broken window policing, which is entirely based around Ticketing and finding people which I, for nonsense. Which I thought used to be a bad thing, and now we're complaining that we're not doing it enough, apparently, especially in Chicago. People are upset that they're not doing broken window policing or even getting I, out of the fucking car. <laughs> wasn't it that whole Ferguson effect thing going down in Chicago? Basically, uh, that's okay. that seems to be the well, consensus. I'm going. On, I'm, I'm not. I'm not getting famous the wrong you know, way. This Fuck it. this could have been a, a couple of cops that they talked to that were just talking some shit or angered. But yeah, the the consensus you know, on the on the Chicago police, at least, is that if they can just stay in their cars and only respond when called. That's fine by them. If they see shit going down, it's none of their business. They somebody looks shady. Well, you know, I could pull him over and ticket him. Maybe he's got a warrant. Maybe he goes to jail. Maybe he's got a gun. Maybe I get shot. Maybe he gets shot. Maybe I get on camera. Maybe my career's over. So they just stay in the car. Well, I, you know, I find it off-putting and and upsetting that when I talk to my friends that are police. And I'm like, okay, how do you feel your job should work? And they're like, well, we wish we could do actual, you know, more police work. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, then why don't you? Well, it's not well, the because end- because we have no choice. We get right. our orders from the brass, and this is what we're supposed to do. And and you know, look, I'm enforcing laws I don't agree with, and I think are unjust. But I'm just doing my job. And I tell them, look, that I'm just doing my job. Shit went out with Auschwitz, man. We got to <laughs> stop that bullshit. Okay, that's an ex- that, that's an excuse. That's a lazy way of looking at shit. Yeah, but can you really tell someone that to 
could you say that to someone who's got some mouths to feed? They'll be like, yeah, that's a, that's a nice stance for someone who doesn't have a family to provide for to take. Right. But ideally, look, I got a mortgage. There are, poli- there are police unions. Okay, if you do your job and you don't do the bullshit that you're asked to do, such as broken window policing and creating creating civil infractions when there are none, you know, or looking for them and and spending that's what you spend your day doing. You you can do your job and still mean and still have your job. It's just you have to have enough police stand up and say. No, this is bullshit. This isn't quality of life arrest. This isn't this isn't taking crime off the streets. This is revenue collecting. That's, yeah, what, that's all we are. Yes. But you know, that does happen here and there, but I think I would guess about as frequently as it does in the military. Maybe it's maybe the mindset isn't quite so engendered into the our police force as it is in the military, but you you're trying to tell somebody that you have to trust this person in every crazy fucked up situation that you could think of that, that could go down out there. You have to ultimately trust that person next to you. They have to have your back at all times. And also, if you see some shit go down, you got to report it no matter who's doing it. Like Those thoughts don't jive in most people's minds. The, pro- the problem is, is that, is that once you are indoctrinated into the, into the police, there are certain things that you just either learn to accept and keep your mouth shut, right. or you buy into, such as, if you run from the police, you automatically get an ass beating. Okay, well, that's violating someone's civil fucking rights. Right. But it is a... Right? Yeah. But that, is, but that is a given. If you run, you are going to get your ass stomped. If you if you assault a police officer, you are going to get your ass stomped. That is, these are givens, but they're but they violate the law. But it's yes. just you, but you they just are understood practices, right? It's the same as a child molester going to jail, and then he just suddenly ends up, you know, with his uh, throat slit or he's hung or some shit, and. And nobody's really going to investigate that and get to the bottom of who killed them because nobody really wanted the guy alive in the first place. But it's a violation. A violation of one man's rights is a violation of any man's rights. Well, because once you start violating it, 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 well, let me take it back. Once you start rationalizing violating someone's rights, then you can. It makes it easier to do it again. Take it and back again, to the Nazis and again. It's easy to get down on the on the gypsies. Nobody really knows them anyway. They speak a different language. They're in and out. Sometimes they steal from us, and then it goes on. Oh, and the Jews too. Nobody really likes them, right? It. 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 it I don't know. It. it Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, I, it's, 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 it's I guess it's I'm comparing. Irritating. I don't mean to compare cops to Nazis. No, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. But see, that's anyone who would listen to what you just said and take that from what you said is they're listening with an agenda in mind right. and they're listening, okay, waiting to be offended. Okay, it's a, it's a, it's a sound argument, you know. And like I said, anyone who would disagree with you is listening, waiting to be offended, and waiting to, you know, and has an agenda in mind already. Right. Well, you know, this, I was having this 
we were having this conversation earlier, actually, before you jumped on with us, because we were talking about the guy that they picked up in Orlando who shot the cop at the Walmart. Uh, that's what prompted me to bring up, you know, right. if you run the cops or if you assault a cop, that's an ass whooping. And that's a given because and, my friend, who's a cop, has been posting on social media, like, that's right, he got his ass beat and he deserved it. Right, and, no, blah, and, blah, that's, blah. and that's what I was saying. And, you know, here I am agreeing with you 100% on what you've just been saying. But half hour or more ago, I was just talking about how I'd be okay if they just hit him a little bit harder and maybe he died. Because this guy clearly did it. Like, he, he, he as much as admitted it in his pretrial. Here's my problem. When, when we sit there and we condone that type of behavior from the police, mm-hmm. we're basically saying police lives... Are somehow more valuable than your average person on the street, because right. if that guy had just committed a random murder during a robbery, right. well, it means we're entrusting them not with our protection, but with uh, with judging us. I, I, exactly. I mean, and, and this goes back to like when we were talking about Judge Dredd. He's yeah. I brought him the, up too when we were talking earlier. <laughs> you know, the, the 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 point that gets that gets lost on a lot of people is Judge Dredd is pretty much a fascist right i mean he's he's <laughs> he's a he's fun an anti-hero yeah but yeah exactly he is not he's he's not a he's not idol. superman right yeah <laughs> you know he's not someone who you want to raise your kids up to be you know and <clears throat> excuse me um i mean i look i get it i understand all right i understand if you are in a police if if you're a police officer, first of all, one of the things that blew my mind is talking to, and you know, this was years ago I learned this, is when my buddy joined the force, the first thing that they drill into your head is, you're now a police officer and people are going to hate you for it. They have been friends your entire life, so get used to it. They basically, paint, they tell you, you are now a victim of discrimination just by putting on that uniform right off the bat. Yes. And so yeah, automatically they, yeah, they instill that chip. Us versus them mentality right off the bat. And so automatically they instill that chip on their shoulder from the get-go. And when you take that and then you couple it with how police, it's like when I hear about police doing private security at concerts and shit, I'm like, that's a bad idea. Because security at concerts should be there to break up problems. Yeah, police, isn't that what we have bikers for? Police, hell yeah, that worked out well at all for Right? Um, Am I the only one who remembers that? <laughs> but, I mean, <clears throat> but, but police police look at people, everyone is guilty until you prove yourself otherwise. If that wasn't true, when you get pulled over, they wouldn't walk up with one hand on their gun, and the other hand, they have a flashlight in it. All right? That's just, that's all there is to it. They're taught to be that. Well, way. I mean... Just because they don't trust you doesn't mean that you're guilty of something automatically. That's the way they look at it, though. Right. They're looking... The best... And this really this really pissed off a friend of mine. The best way I've heard how we need policing to be versus how it is is firemen don't fucking kick open, kick open my door and start writing me tickets if my fucking battery isn't, you know brand new and fresh in my fucking right. in my smoke alarm okay i don't see a fireman until i need him sir i just i just noticed that you're just sitting here in your house uh, is everything okay i'm gonna need you to move it along uh, but i live here sir <laughs> yeah are you resisting are you arguing with me <laughs> yes sir. please don't argue with me 
Please just don't move. show up and start lighting matches and throwing them around listen, your living room. Listen, I, one of them catches fire. I could take and it. I, I could take it here, but I'm just going to send you to bed. You know, it's just like the argument I hear that oh, well, police are there. Police car, like as far as speeding, police cars are there to stop people from speeding. No, they're not. That's how. How many cop cars can you tell are cop cars anymore? Until you get up close to them. If they were if they were there to prevent speeding, wouldn't I cop kind cars of a sixth be sent for it? So, <laughs> wouldn't cop cars be pink with a big sign? This is slow down on it. Like yes, if, if yeah, that was, exactly. If, no, they're they're trying to raise funds because everyone in this in this podcast has gotten a speeding ticket, and it was because you were the slowest speeder they could catch. Exactly. It ain't about trying to stop everybody. It's you're you're right there. That's that that is a fundraising move. Right. I mean, if nobody's speeding, you got to go back and say you didn't write any tickets. The one I, I've 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 gotten one speeding ticket in my life, and it was on Southfield Freeway, and it was in rush hour traffic. Hmm, that was the last one I got. Oh, in rush and, hour? How the fuck the guy did you get a ticket? The guy said I was doing sixty-five in a fifty-five, huh? and I said, "Really?" I said, "Let me see the gun." He goes, "I don't have to show you the gun." I said, "You don't have to show me the radar gun." I said, "So you didn't lock in the 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 the." The the miles per hour that you say I was speeding at, mm-hmm. and he was like, oh, "What do you think you a little smart ass?" I was like, "You know what, bud? Go ahead and write that ticket. I'll see your ass in court." <laughs> you did. I went to I went to court and he didn't show up. I got dismissed because yeah. he knew he was in the wrong. Because I was gonna I, I looked at him and I and yes, I also brought up just what you said incredulously, Aaron. How the fuck am I speeding in rush hour on Southfield Freeway? <laughs> right. You know, it's one of those things that he probably teaches rookies, like, yeah, you're supposed to lock this in after, but nobody ever questioned. No one's ever looked at this thing. Just, I wouldn't bother. And then you're the one guy. He's like, motherfucker. You know, and it it goes back to the, in an argument that I'll hear from a lot of police and police, I don't want to say apologist, and I don't want to say sympathizers, because I do sympathize with police on a lot of what they go through. I guess but they're, they're, they're true believer supporters, I'll put it that way. People that never question the police. A lot of what I hear is, well, if you're not doing anything wrong, then what does it matter? And it's funny because most of those people that say that are big gun guys. Mm-hmm. But they're against background checks for gun ownership. And I could apply that line of logic to, well, if you don't have anything to hide, what do you care about a background check? Why does Absolutely. it matter? Right. Oh, but all, of a sudden, yeah, but all of a sudden, it turns into, well, that's my Second Amendment right to have a gun. Well, what about the Fourth Amendment? What, what about probable cause? This all gets lost in, oh, I think he didn't have his seatbelt on. I mean, that, you know, seatbelt laws, when, 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 they, when they first enacted it and said you can get a ticket for seatbelt laws, at first I was like, well, this is bullshit. This is, this is a... a, a private property situation if i don't if i don't care if i go through a windshield upon impact in a in a car then it don't fucking matter don't tell me how to live my life but then i realized wait a minute it's an excuse to pull someone over i don't think he was wearing a seatbelt. that's probable cause mm-hmm. now i can pull him over right any a seatbelt that is basically stop and frisk in a car yes you know what the solution is rich we need a voucher for our, our uh, police program <laughs> So that we can take our tax dollars and spend it on a private force. There you go. Yeah, we can get it. 
I mean, you could get the Swiss Guard over. You know, those are, do they still have those spears? They still carry around spears, or you know, pay. For I don't something. think so. I don't think so. You talking about like phallics or whatever? Like where they? <laughs> I'm just picturing like some Roman shit with spears and so. Are the UN yeah. police and their robin's egg blue? Maybe, maybe oh, it's an outdated concept, but I picture them with like yeah, the big like the hats that look like a fleur de lis and the spears with the little well, I mean, they, things that curve on them. But you know, something something that, that amazes me. Maybe I'm thinking uh, Spanish soldiers. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Wow, that was interesting. Um, I think that was the first on, on uh, how many hundreds of shows I've <laughs> ever sneezed. Anyways, um, something that is interesting to me is that, you know, police in other countries, some police in other countries, they don't carry guns. And oh. they're taught to de-escalate situations. And in our country, the minute there's any sign of violence, what's the first thing a police officer does? I mean, yes, he has, quote-unquote, non-lethal, or they, not he, they, have non-lethal alternatives, you know, pepper spray, taser, baton. But, I mean, how much is, there's really not, our our standard police aren't really taught to de-escalate situations. Well, they certainly are taught to protect their own lives first. And those of possible innocence around them, and, and see here's and certainly here's a, a shot to the head is going to stop some shit from going down even quicker than a taser is. Here's where I'm gonna piss off a lot of people because uh-huh. I, I, I've said this to to police before, and boy, do they fucking despise me once I say it. You, okay, as police, you want to be held up as heroes as you're doing this. You know, you're sacrificing something by being out there and policing. Yeah, your life comes before everybody else's. That's not the definition of a hero. Yeah, that's the definition no. of selfish. You're you're cherry picking when you want to be a hero. All right, and they'll point to you know inevitably they'll point to stories of well this cop you know uh, uh, sacrificed his life for this and that. Okay, here's the thing: I'm judging people on a individual basis. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? Mm-hmm. If you're you know a, a good person. You're not supposed to to judge uh, people as a part of a group. You judge them on a case-by-case basis. Fine, that cop was a hero. Doesn't mean you all are. There's a lot of of shitbirds wearing that fucking, that uniform and that badge. But, you know... It's like there's a lot of shitbirds in the military. But we can't say that. Bringing up the concept of the hero, I think that's a concept that's actually changed considerably. Um... Certainly, if you want to talk like traditional comic book hero, you know, your, your traditional comic book hero is the guy who doesn't kill no matter how bad the situation is going on. It's always thinking of citizens first and, and getting them to safety. And we don't really like that type of hero anymore because we just feel like He's looking down his nose at us. He is superior to us. The Superman that would sacrifice his own life and put the safety of others' innocence above all else isn't the popular Superman anymore. Uh, we want to see the one who snaps necks when he needs to. You know, the one that I, I, the, when the bomb goes off, uh, it, he's off sulking in his fortress. 
we we, we, we want to see not we don't want to look up to a hero we want to imagine that we can be that hero and since we know that we are fallible the fact that our heroes are fallible as well says that we can be that one day as well that can be me you don't have to be perfect to be superman or batman batman's got to use a gun sometimes sometimes he's got to put somebody down that's just see, how it goes out there I that's think, the new hero i think the anti-hero i think you're right but i would take it a step further for this I would take it a step further and say, when I see police wearing Punisher garb, that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. That's a problem. Well, they could. I mean, sure, there's a lot of pl- police out there that are fans of that character, but um, but here's if you're okay, using but here's that the deal. as an ethos one of the for your behavior. The re- why they're the fans of that? One character. of the re- one of the reasons I loved Wolverine, and he was my favorite comic book character growing up even from like a kid before i could understand all the nuance about his character uh-huh. before his origin stories i mean he was just shrouded in mystery i mean we're talking even right. before hints of his origin stories um right it was, was like because, uh, it was like was the because, young pope because he, yes he was a violent person but he aspired not to be he wanted to be something different he wanted to have he wanted to keep that side of himself in check. Uh-huh. And to but, me... But failed there's, often. There's, but was he, con- yes. And was constantly remorseful. It was that back and forth between losing control and being, you know, steeped in remorse. In his... in, in Yeah, in the uh, 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 Frank Miller, Chris Claremont, four-issue limited series... Oh, classic. That was the thing. When he went up, uh, up against... Um, Silver Samurai, uh, Marcos, Marcos, Marcos' dad. Oh yeah, and he was using a wooden. And they were using wooden swords, right? And then he threw the sword away, and he popped his claws. He was like, "I knew it was dishonorable." Like you know, the interior monologue is going. He's like, "I know it's dishonorable," but he pissed me off. You know what I'm saying? Like he, he knew that it wasn't the right thing to do, and he held himself accountable, and he beat himself up over it. The Punisher is just. Kill, kill, kill. I don't care. Kill, kill, kill. That's not someone who I want police and our military going, hey, right. I want to be like this person. Like, it, I'm if sorry. You show, if you show, if anyone shows remorse when it comes to Frank Castle, they've ruined his character or don't understand him at all. Like, exactly. It, it's, the same, it, it's the same as Judge Dredd. He doesn't show remorse when he doesn't take off the helmet. Those are your, those are the rules of your character. If you want to do something else, pick a different character. There's plenty of them out there. And it's and it's it's like a how do I put this? It's like these characters have a serious lack of self awareness. And right, <laughs> do you want do you want police and military to be emulating that? I mean, these are people given the ultimate power in our society. Because they can take lives based on split-second decisions. Mm-hmm. And do you really want them to doing it with, like, a cavalier attitude? Right. If they were all going around with Judge Dread helmets on with a big eagle on their shoulder, I'd be freaking the fuck out. <laughs> you know, and you say this to police, and they get, they get pissy and they get upset, and... I, and part of me feels like rightfully so they're upset, but it, it, the other part of me goes, look, here's the deal. You as police tell us constantly, 
especially police that work in like cities like Detroit and Baltimore, Chicago, etc. They go, we can't solve crimes because there's this code of silence that no one will, no one will snitch. Stop snitching, mm-hmm. and, it, and it impedes us from doing our job. Well, there's a there's there's a whole lot of stop snitching in the police department too. You won't fucking you won't you won't clean house of bad cops. You won't turn a bad cop in. You turn a blind eye to when he does some shit. Right. Once again, unless he gets caught with his dick in a fucking child, you pretty much fucking give him carte blanche to do what he wants. Right. That's a problem. That's right. a fucking problem. Expressing desire to be able to step outside the system and therefore above the law and make decision decisions on your own is uh is this definitely a scary thing? Exactly. We're supposed to, as citizens, go into go into our neighborhoods and say, "Look, we got to stop this, stop snitching shit. We have to cooperate with the police." Yet, the very police department that pretty much demands this of us to self police ourselves—they oh, knit together does, tighter than Kevlar when trouble comes. Exactly. Exactly. And it, you can't have it both ways. Yes. And when you try to, you get distrust of the police, you get suspicion. I mean, okay, I, once again, yes, it's a TV show, but The Wire. When when Major Colvin set up the the drug zones where you yeah. could sell... Well, it was a TV show. All that shit was based on real shit. I mean, ultimately. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the writer, the writer he, he worked as a... Uh, well, the two the two main guys that come up with that one was a, a, a writer for Baltimore Sun. Right. The other was a former police officer. Yep. So I mean, it's as it was as real as they could get. All the characters and, in that. And the guy who wrote Homicide. What the fuck is his name? David yeah. Simon. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's they're at a they're at a community meeting, and one of the people stand up and said, you know, I actually had a policeman walk in a beat, and he came up and he sat and he talked to me. And he gave me his card. Now he knows my name, and I know his name, and we're now human beings to each other. And I haven't seen that type of face-to-face policing since my grandmother was 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 young. And that's what is lost in a lot of communities these days is that you people they don't see the police as oh this is my friend here to help me, like the bullshit we were fed as you know children. You know, oh, the police, if, you, if you're in trouble and you're a kid, look for a policeman. We, we see the police as, oh, shit, there's a cop. No one look at him. No one look at him. He's going to pull us over if we do. That's what, that's what, you ever heard cops called one time? You know where that comes from? You only look at him one time because if you look twice, you're getting pulled over. Right. That's where one time comes from. Now, and here's the thing. There's a lot of cops walking around and driving around on the job. Who enjoy that? And who enjoy that? Who who are like that's right? That's right. Don't look at me twice because I'll pull you over. Mm-hmm. And it's like get the fuck out of here, man. That's not if that's the job you want to do. You're just a bully with a badge, man. I mean, I guess you're right, Rich, because I'm a, a I'm a middle aged white male, and I see the police and I get nervous. Like that's fucked up. I'm supposed to be I'm supposed to be the guy that they're going to be the easiest on, right? So I guess maybe does speak a little bit to how the culture is pretty fucked up. Yeah. And it, and it really, it sucks because you get people who, you know, people who go, who are, who are black or Hispanic or, you know, 
uh, Middle Eastern, whatever, you know, and they go, well, you know, you're white. You don't understand. No, no, you don't understand. Here's the thing. I'm not assuming I know what it's like to be your race, but you're assuming you know what it's like to be me. Here's the deal. I'm driving clean as a motherfucker. I still get nervous when I see a cop and I pass him. Yes. Now, why is that? Why is that? Because I know he could pull me over. And if he's having a bad day, he's just it's just a bad day to him, but he could fuck my life up for the next six to fucking, you know, 12 months. Bottom line. I mean, he could jam me up just because he didn't get no pussy the night before. And and, and people are like, you know, you, you try to explain this to people and they go, well, yeah, but you're a white male. You don't, you don't really understand what it's like. Really? Really? I don't? Well, uh, how do it's, I, I did have this thought the other day, because I'm on the road, I have a lot of time to think of things. When you're young, I mean, I can tell you, every time I got pulled over under the age of 25, it was, are there any drugs in the car? Let me check your ID. You know, all mm-hmm. the kind of shit. You know, you get to a certain, I, I will give, people talk about white privilege, I'll, I'll give it up to one area of life. If you get to a certain age as a white guy, and you look generic, that's where that's where quote unquote white privilege comes in. It's the it's the that you just turn into background. You you turn into uh, I, I know the irony of this phrase. You turn into white noise to a police officer, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but when you're young, I mean, it's game on. I oh, mean, there's plenty of times under age of twenty five, we were definitely pulled over and had our IDs checked just because we were out past ten o'clock and of a certain age. There's a, there's a Facebook page called uh, p- uh, Police Memes or something along those lines. And, you know, I, I, because I have friends who are police, every once in a while they'll post something. And I see things like, you know, there's a meme where they show like four pictures and they say the, the blank starter pack, you know. So one of them was the I'm driving on a suspended license with no insurance starter pack. And it was a kid who was like 19 hat backwards, a, to- a, 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 a beat up fucking, you know, old Ford uh-huh. tattoos, tattoos. And, you know, a, a pack of, a pack of Newports, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's like, it, it's like, you know, that okay, been, that, that that accurate. Take out funny. the tattoos and that could have been me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, yes, but it's accurate and shit. But here's the thing. If at the same time it says, you know, hi, you know, the I don't like black people starter pack and it shows a police car, a badge, a gun and, you know, a picture of a cop getting fucking acquitted. These cops would be, oh, how do you fuck it? And it's like, wait a minute, hold on a sec. You have no sense of humor about you, but the people that you are profiling, which, by the way, is against the law, you're joking about profiling them, and we're supposed to have a sense of humor about that. And let's be honest here, which ones happen, which which one of those two memes happen more often? I mean, it... You know, police like to say, oh, we work one of the most dangerous jobs in the world. Really? Look at look at the stats, okay? Some of the most dangerous jobs are oil rig worker, third shift fucking uh, clerk at a convenience store, uh-huh. pizza delivery guy, taxi driver, truck driver. I believe those are the top five, all right? Yeah. I've worked, th- I've worked three of those jobs. Why am I not a hero? I... 
Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think I would rather work all those jobs before I would want to be a, a police officer. But statistically, those jobs are more dangerous right. than being a police officer, and yet police officers are heroes because they do such a dangerous job. Well, I've worked, like I said, three of those five jobs. Why? Where's, where's, where's my fucking uh, cashier lives matter? Delivery driver oh, lives Rich. matter. <laughs> you, you get a little, little millennials rubbing off on you? you, want, you want <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying? Here's, yeah, here's the thing. Good. So are, we calling, are you calling police the ultimate millennials? Millennials before? They're hipster millennials? Millennials before they were millennials? Because they've been walking around going, I, d- I deserve all the fucking accolades because I work such a, a dangerous job since the, day, the first, first time I can remember dealing with them when I was a child. Yeah. You know, when 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 nine eleven went down, I was working in radio still, and I worked for a pretty liberal dude, uh, but th- he was also ex Navy. Uh, so I mean, you know, everyone the the I mean, really the 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 hero line is two thousand one, right? I mean, that's when we started throwing that we 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 got a little loose with our our definition of hero after nine eleven. Right, and I think he that's... was even. He was even sitting there going like, Jesus Christ. He's like, I understand these, you know, guys went above and beyond, but he's like, they're doing their fucking job. Why do we got to call them heroes? Right. Well, Chris, that's perfect. I think you actually reminded me of the, the turning point when we started redefining what we accepted as a hero. The hero wasn't Superman in the form that we knew him from the classic movies. It was 24, you know, the guy who's willing to go outside and above the law to get shit done to save lives ultimately. And that's the new hero. We, we are, we've <laughs> idolized lawbreakers, basically. Yeah, it's the, it's the Jack Bauer syndrome. Yeah. You know, and huh. it's, 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 I don't want to say it's uniquely American, but it, it's so American. For us to go, oh, we love that rugged individual, the lone gunman. And I don't mean it in the sense of, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald. I'm talking about, you know, the, right. the, yes, I get the you. lone gunslinger, I guess I should yeah, say. You know, the, the drifter. The, but that is such an unrealistic archetype. And it's not realistic on any means when it comes to the police. When it comes it's, to... It's not really realistic on any level. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's a... There's definitely a handful of people that exist that could live alone and it wouldn't make a difference to their lives. Could also argue whether, whether they're on the spectrum or not. But, um, well, exactly, yeah. But most of us need other people to live, basically, you know, whether you think so or not, whether you enjoy their company or not, you need other people around. You need a society. You need support. You need to know that there's just other people out there going through the same shit that you are. Well, you know, in the movies and in, in pop culture, we we celebrate these type of people. Right. You know, we hold them up. We, we, we make them, you know, anti-heroes, sometimes just flat-out heroes. But in real life, it's always, oh, you know, if you live in an apartment complex and everybody's all friendly except for that one guy, you're like, oh, man, that's the serial Psycho killer. killer. That's, yep. <laughs> that's the dude who's got, like, like, right. like hookers in his fucking freezer, man. I, he never talks to nobody. He don't even make eye contact right. when he checks the mail. Right, but, but we know? don't know his story. 
You know, if somebody made a movie about that guy and it turns out that, yeah, he may have killed somebody, but it was to save his daughter and, well, then he's a fucking hero. But if we don't know him, then we just have to assume. Home Alone. How is it like Home Alone? Uh, with the, 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 uh, with the neighbor, where all the kids were saying that the, the, the the neighbor was a, he killed his daughter and put her in a bucket of salt or whatever. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then they had their little touching scene at the church. I mean, I, I have, I have. Wait, that sounded bad. <laughs> I have a uh, a lot of experience with this because I'm pretty much a, a, a like I don't I believe good fences make good neighbors. Um, I didn't used to think that way, but having neighbors made me think that way. Um, Living in apartments made me think that way. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Um, t- uh, ten years in in one apartment and five years at a. Living in a duplex made me think that way, okay. um, and I'm pretty sure my neighbors think I'm some sort of like serial killer because a lot of times when I come and go, it's at hours that aren't nine to five. Right. You know, I, I don't I don't get up and and you know tumble off to work at eight in the morning like most of them do, and I don't get home at five o'clock in the afternoon check the mail on the in the way into my apartment like like most of them do. But here's the thing. I'm happy without having constant contact with people. Like you say, you know, you know, most people need that. And a lot of people do, but I'm completely fine with it. Besides you guys, I literally, besides the two podcasts, I've went weeks without talking to anybody. And I'm fine with it. And that's just something most people aren't comfortable with. No, I, I hear you on that, Rich, but... You're you're not the Omega Man, you know. You're not wandering the yes. deserted give him, streets. Give him some time. Give him some time. <laughs> like, like you're not alone. <laughs> you know, there's. I'm not saying that you have like everybody needs to be touched and told they're a good person every day. I'm just saying that there's a lot to be said to actually being integrated into society in some fashion for your for most people's mental well being. Oh, don't get me wrong. This 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 is one of the I've, I've actually had a family member say one of your gifts is when you meet someone or you're in a social situation, you'll make the person you're talking to feel like they're your best friend. When the truth is, you couldn't give a shit one way or the other about the person. Yeah, like I know. Wait, Rich, like, are you a Leo? What? No, I'm an Aries. Okay. Like, when the fuck? Wait, why does it matter when my parents fucked? Like, if they'd know. have fucked a month later, my personality would be different? I don't know. <laughs> Some habits die hard, okay? I can't help it. All right, Dan Savage, calm down. <laughs> what was the arbitrary position of the sun the day you were born, Rich? I need to know this. Uh, and so, you know, and, and by the way, by the way, just, just for future reference, yes. my mother was a self proclaimed clairvoyant counselor nice and read tarot cards and actually had a uh metaphysical self-help bookstore at one point we have not mined that at all so if we ever in the future want to get into like i can tell you the tricks of the trade when it comes to psychics and well, and and yeah. all that shit but i mean not not now but i'm just i'm, I'm just very i'm very scientific in my thinking in general when it comes to shit like that and religion and other topics like things that can't be proven but uh, I, I'm very much more accepting of mysticism in general, and I guess mostly because I find it harmless. It's just, 
more interesting. It's it's really when it gets into... I understand where you're coming from, but when you're charging people $65 an hour to flip cards in front of them... But that's But you're putting on a show, and, and those people are loving it. You're telling them a story, and they are hearing a story. If, I mean, it's, if it's up, and that's, that's one of the things that, yes, um, my mother always ran into problems with is that she always had to put a little caveat of for entertainment purposes only. Right. But the minute the person sat down, the minute the true believers sat down, or the searchers, the people who were looking for something, uh-huh. she wiped that off the table. And she presented what she was doing as fact. And the fact I know she was, and this the reason I know she was full of shit is because when she was dying, she covered all her bases. She, I literally watched rabbis, Mormons, Muslims, Wiccans, uh, Pentecostal, lay your hands on you know, and and talking tongues people all visit her in the last months of her life because she was trying to cover all her bases. Right. There's yet- shaman well, in there anywhere. Okay. Let me let me equate it like this. Okay, what that type of behavior is no better than a lot of the behavior that the church does, but that behavior from the church is way down the list as to the problems that I have with the church itself or any church in general. I don't see a bunch of uh, you know fortune tellers. Uh, uh, getting people together in groups and protesting gays or some crazy no. shit like that, you know? No. Like, it doesn't permeate their mindset and control oh, their okay. actions in, in G- these ways. G- give us a week. Give us a week. <laughs> Who knows? I'm sure there's a group no, I, of fortune tellers protesting Trump out there somewhere tomorrow. No, I used to live very close to Casadega, Florida, which Actually, is we should be protesting them. Why didn't they, t- why didn't they warn us? Yeah, I know, <laughs> so right? We should be protesting the fortune tellers right now. Um, well, I used to bring me the head of the year. fortune teller. Miss Cleo died last year before she could warn us, all right? <laughs> <laughs> and the irony is she didn't see it coming. Um, but I used to live close to Casadega, Florida, and Casadega, Florida is uh, the self-proclaimed metaphysical capital of the world. And I can tell you for the most part, 98% of, of the, the, the people that practice, uh, you know, tarot reading and astrology and all that, they're harmless. But there is a, uh, there is a, a predatory nature to them because these are usually the people who don't go to, if you go to church, it's a socially acceptable thing to do to go to church. If you're Catholic to light a candle and oh, pray for us, mother Mary and all this bullshit. Um, it's not really socially acceptable to go to, a medium or a clairvoyant or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So you usually get people who are on the fringes, people who are desperate or, or, or something along those lines. And you add that, you, you take those people and then you add people who are just looking to make a buck and you get people who get taken advantage of a whole lot. I mean, that's how come televangelists, you know, Televangelists make their money off of old people who are close to death. Why? Because people are scared to fuck to die, and they should be, because for all the bullshit that we've that we've ever heard, no one knows what happens after you die for sure. The only way to experience it is to die. And despite what the the big book of Jewish fairy tales says, no one comes back from death. No one. We've not had someone be dead for fucking ten years, come back and go, oh, this is what happens 
once you're dead. Right. And so it scares the shit out of all of us. And these people are searching for reassurance for something that you cannot be reassured about. Have either of you watched any of The Young Pope on HBO? Not yet. They put the first two episodes up. I watched them both. I'm really not sure if I'm going to continue. Um, it's a very, it's a definitely a strange show. Uh, but there's some great performances in there that make me at least want to give it another try. Well, I, but, I, I but know the, that they've overseas. They've 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 already shown the entire first season, so I can go yeah. to a site watch the entire first season right now. Right. Um, well, but I, I haven't yet. Because I figured we would talk about it on the show. Well, I, I won't spoil anything for you, but the 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 new pope is asking one of the cardinals, I believe, why he chose at a young age to be celibate and to give his life over to God. And he said, it's because I realized that uh, no matter how long I lived, it wouldn't be enough, and, I, and so I chose eternity instead. And, yeah, that I, which is... is seems like a ludicrous option to me like you don't even know you don't even know what eternity is going to be like if there is well, it's one just, it's, it's not even same. just it's not even just about whether it exists or not like what the fuck is it going to be and no, it's that same blind faith that the, the the muslims have with the 72 virgins man right it's apparently well, well, the, is it people that are just like this sucks it can't it's got to be better than this after you die. I mean, is that where that comes from? In the Pope's, in the new Pope's first, uh, the young Pope, I should say, his first address to the world, he rants about how uh, he doesn't, he can't even understand people who don't believe in God and who say to him, who challenge him and say, prove to me that God exists. And, he's, and he says, it's not to me to prove to you that God exists, it is to you to prove to me that he doesn't exist. And I'm like, the scientist in me is screaming, you can't prove a negative. (laughs) That is not a possible thing. You can't prove that something doesn't exist. Because you'll always have proof. Your proof could be anything. It is is a ludicrous argument. Oh, my macabre answer would always be uh, babies who die. That is my proof <laughs> that God doesn't exist. Oh, yeah, that God doesn't exist, yeah. Because no, if he does, he is an asshole. No, no, that's what I'm saying. The proof of God not existing is everywhere. And if he doesn't exist, then there's no proof to be found. I think, I think it was Christopher Hitchens. It's not like, prove to me you didn't do this murder. Oh, here's a picture of me at the bar at the same time. It's like... <laughs> I, think, I think it was Christopher Hitchens like, that said... Prove to um, me that you I, don't have uh, a sister, a long-lost sister, that no one's ever heard of. I think it was Christopher Hitchens that said, I look around and I see all the atrocities in the world. And, and this was in a, someone asked him the question, what happens if when you die, you're wrong and there is a God? And he said, I look around and I see all the atrocities in the world. And, in, and when I die... If I'm wrong and there is a God, I don't need to ask his forgiveness. He needs to ask mine. <laughs> because anyone that would create this world and all the shit in it is a, very, is a very fucked up person who needs to be forgiven for their sins. And it's kind of how I feel. I mean, you know, I know that... Hey God, I know what, was that, that, what was it that Holocaust thing? What was that about? 
Well, I know that is that you loving everybody. What's going on there? I know that the term atheist gets thrown around on this podcast quite a bit, and I'm not. You know, I'm not sure I've it does been as often as I'd like it to. I, I'm not. A, you know, I get lumped in as an atheist by, by my Christian friends, and I try to explain to them I'm not, because to me to go there is no God, and I know that for a fact is as asinine for me to, for as you to say there is a God, and I know that well, for a fact. For some, you're, atheist is code for free thinker. You're, 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 you're taking, you have to have faith either way. One is you have faith that, the, that he isn't there. One, you have faith that he is. To me, I'm an agnostic, but I'm the agnostic in the sense like Donnie Darko said in, in the movie. When I saw that scene in the movie where he, he's talking to his therapist, and they said, and she goes, so do you believe in God? And he goes, you know what? Here's the deal. I can't prove it. I can't disprove it. I just don't worry about it. I worry about right now. I'll figure I'll find out when I get there. That's how I feel. So I, you know, I'm an agnostic, but I'm not an evangelical agnostic. I don't walk around insisting that everyone think the same way I do. I just look at people and go, you have faith, which is a totally rational thing to have in God. Good for you. Mm -hmm. I, as long as it doesn't impede it, or 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 you you don't try to force that shit on me, more power to you. And it's the same thing with my friends that are atheists. You have faith there is no God. Good for you. Don't try to shove the shit on me. But here's you know the 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 balancing act is I really don't have a problem with atheists knocking on my door on fucking seven o'clock in the morning on on a Saturday, trying to tell me that you know. Have you heard that there is no Lord and Savior? Would you like to talk about it? You know. Have you have you heard that there is no news? There's no God. I can't sleep either. Have you heard the good news? Because there is none. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it, it. Yeah. Have you heard the good news? Day-old donuts are like a yeah. dollar off. <laughs> but, well, you know, I, it, it, I can't. I oh. can't let a conversation about atheism go by without mentioning Penn Jillette. But he does have my favorite atheist quote. And actually, maybe I actually did get this from, uh, oh, shit. You had just mentioned his name, Richard. Oh, Christopher Hitchens, Richard Dawkins. Richard Dawkins. Oh, you said Christopher Hitchens. I'm sorry. But yeah, Richard Dawkins is who I was thinking of. Maybe it was the other. I'm not sure. He may have lifted the quote, but I love it anyway. It's everything in the world is enough. It just means there may be something after. There may not. But what about all this that we have here now? This is all enough for me to be believe in this and be comfortable with this that I have and to not structure my life about around what could be next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, sounds like something Dawkins would say. Um, I think it was him. I'll and, do and my research. I, I mean, it's, it's the, I forget the, I forget the term for it. It's, it's, but, you know, a lot of Christians will say, well, what's it hurt to believe? And when you die, you find out you were wrong. You're just hedging your bets. And it's like, well... Why is it so I, important to you that I believe the same thing you do? But here's the thing. I lived, I lived a life that was, that was basically dictated to me because I was afraid of going to hell. And you'll get, you'll get Christians that go, no, I want to be with Jesus and I want to be in heaven. Okay, that's fine. All right? I... I, I 
I want to be with go Jennifer wherever Con- Jimi Hendrix is going. <laughs> I, I want to be with Jennifer Connelly. I, I don't She's think Paul Bettany's going. Yeah, gonna, yeah <laughs> I don't think Paul Bettany's going to let that happen. All right. So I mean, it's I understand wanting to to be with something or someone who you have no, you know, but don't give me that. I'm doing this. I'm denying myself my basic instincts because I want to be with God. No, you're doing it because you're afraid of hell. If there was no hell. Well, okay, there but, would be no motivation to do what you do. But and if and just like just like in in the first season of True Detective, if if heaven's full of people who only do the good thing because they're afraid, or do the right thing because they're afraid of punishment, those aren't people I want to be around. I mean, I look, I know it's wrong to kill somebody. I know it's wrong to rape somebody. I know it's wrong to molest a child. How do I know that? Because I do. Because it hurts people. When I was a child, I learned empathy and compassion. I would do something and I would see someone's pain that I caused and go, oh, that's not the right thing to do. I don't need a spiritual being to tell me that that was wrong. And if you do, then you're a piece of shit. Bottom line. Yeah, but this is kind of the the one thing that I, I think religion does right when it when it does it, and that is give uh, some form of a moral compass to people who seem to be lacking of it outside of that. I'm not saying that, like, without religion, everyone who is, all these Christians and Muslims and everyone else would be, uh, you know, complete psycho killers. Like, uh, but... Um, phew, I lost my thought on that one. Well, no, I, I, I understand feel, what you're saying. You just because most people don't need religion or some form of religion to tell them right from but wrong. I think what made you think of, you had mentioned overcoming. I think you said overcoming your base instincts or something like that earlier, yeah. and that's what made me think about it because there's a lot of ways where i mean a lot about just being a human in this world is about overcoming your base instincts right we ogle the chick on the train but we don't grab her boobs you know we overcome our our, you're the president of the united states of america (laughs) so (laughs) i so uh, we are all constantly overcoming our base instincts now there's some places where not places I don't want to say places because I don't mean regions of our country, but there are some parts of uh, our society where people are not necessarily overcoming their base instincts and giving in to, let's say, racism. That's a that's a perfect example of a base instinct, I believe, to be tribalistic and to be racist that you must overcome to operate successfully in our current society. And, you know, there's areas where the church actually does provide that in a lot of ways. Maybe it it's making people think about something other than, than themselves in the way of helping out other people in need and giving themselves a sense of purpose where otherwise they might feel completely lost. I mean, I guess my I, overall beef with religion is I like the message I don't like the execution. I don't see you living up to it. 
Yeah, it seems the message seems to be applied very selectively. That's my biggest problem with it. The message is generally in every religion. If you take a comparative religions class in your freshman year of college, the message in every religion is don't be a shithead. Well, it, it quite honestly, it's it, it's pretty much it was police before there were police. If you get down to it, but right. just the way it's been executed in the last two thousand plus years yeah no thanks not for right. me and, and I'm good and there's something to be said in well I mean all these religions started in ages where people weren't reading or writing or even probably communicating outside of a small village of people and you saw the same people same type of people you're probably all the same color Shit, you're probably so inbred, you all have the same hair, hair color and eye color. And you don't really know anything about the bigger world. And to have something that can connect you to that, not only to the bigger world, but to connect you to the universe, can be a very powerful thing. And it can uh, actually... I don't know. I I want. I feel like I want to come up with a better term than... than the idea of a, a moral compass because, me, because, because the inverse of it isn't that it would that moral compass would just spin wildly without religion i i don't believe that i don't believe that it's keeping people in check but giving them a, something bigger to link into i mean now we have actual communication with just about anyone anywhere in the world we really don't need religion to understand if we want to what other people in the world are going through, what it's like to live in another country or be another type of person. If you really wanted to understand what it was like to be black in America or transgendered in North Korea or whatever the fuck situation somebody's in, it's all out there. It's just whether now you choose to actually open yourself to that. And religion is no longer furthering that. It's mired in secluding people in groups and shunning outside thoughts and even still outright excluding, I'm not saying all religions do this, but there's still plenty of them that are <clears throat> anti-gay or uh, some, some of them even outright racist in their behavior. So <clears throat> the, the church is obsolete in the way that it is no longer doing its prime directive it is shrinking because it is isolationist. Its message is no longer spreading because it it conflicts openly with the facts that we see around us when we talk when we when we open ourselves to the world and what's going on in the world. That, am I rambling completely, or am I making any sense? No, no. It's it's basically you you took a very. <laughs> verbose path to say religion has pretty much outlived its its usefulness. Sure. Yeah, but I think... Um, I, well... And I mean, you and along the way, you made a lot of valid points. Um, I, I, can't, I can't remember who said it. It's a famous quote, but I mean, you know, the, there's a quote that says, religion is the opiate of the masses. Yes. And I, I believe see, we that... We don't need religion. I've got Google right here. I'll look it up and see who said it. <laughs> and I believe that in in a lot of in in a lot more ways than just I, I believe the original intent behind the quote was, 
you know, was. I, I, I Karl think it, Marx. It, Karl Marx. <laughs> wow. The half-assed socialist comes up with, of, of the podcast, comes up with a Karl Marx quote. I Surprising. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. Uh, but, no, I mean, it, it, look, it's comforting to think you know what's going to happen after you die and you're going to be with, you know, your family and everything. It's terrifying to not know. I mean, and and not only is it terrifying, but it's, I, I can't even say in our culture, it's just human, it's human nature. It's, it, yeah, no, it's terrifying to not know anything. It was terrifying to not know why fire shot from the sky. It was terrifying exactly. to know why earthquakes happened. And religion came along and was like, well, it's all part of God's plan. And he's bowling. Exactly. And he's bowling up there. It's his Wednesday league. It's it's amazing. No matter what part of the country I've been in, everyone says when they were a kid they heard that about that the God thund- God bowling. That thunder was God bowling, <laughs> and I'm like, like God's got nothing better to do than bowl. Really? I know, yeah. right? He can't golf. He can't play hockey. You know? <laughs> I mean, what the fuck? Maybe bowl. God's lighting off M80. <laughs> Maybe God's cutting some really fucking juicy farts, man. I don't know, you know. Well, but hey, it's getting maybe God nothing. It's getting late. We got to wrap this up pretty soon because I've got to work tomorrow. Unlike probably most of the rest of the nation, which seems to be at least threatening to take the day off in protest. I don't know if you guys have like what what what, what are people hoping to accomplish? With that? I don't know. I've heard that the, what, this what, idea. What is your end game with that? Right, this idea that. Oh, we can disrupt the economy with just one day of staying home from work because productivity will be affected in this way. And I'm like, look, everyone's going to work twice as hard come Monday and spend twice as much over the weekend. For all those people who didn't go out and shop and didn't go to work, it didn't mean that you needed less toilet paper or needed to get your shit done any less at the end of the day at work. So it, it doesn't really affect anything. You know, you know, hey, boss, I'm going I'm to be a uh, 10% less effective this week because of Trump and protests. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm only a, turning in 90% Carolla of my bit, reports. Man. It's Adam Carolla bit. It's rich man, poor man. The people that are saying this shit are either super rich or ain't got no job. Either way, it's people that right. don't have to work. But I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to leave because Rich, you had, you had brought up uh, Wolverine earlier, uh, and have you seen the new trailer for Logan? Yes, where the girl pops her claws. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, for I- our friend, for uh, for our friend that's not here, uh, you iced it. You called it back <laughs> what six months ago. You said that's what's going to happen, and it did. So I got to give you credits or props. It, well, I, there were rumors about it, but I was also whole. I, I believed that they could at least get this one thing right in it from the. Well, it was a pretty decently long preview, and it looks like they got a lot of what I wanted right. You know, I don't. I don't. I could give a shit if this is the old man Logan story. I don't need to see a Hulk uh, or a bunch of inbred Hulks. I don't. And it's, it, it, it definitely and, appears to not be as far as the world right. is set in. And Mark Miller's a half assed writer, anyways. He can suck my dick. Uh, you know, <laughs> but he had a really, okay. he has really good concepts that he doesn't know how to execute all that well. But so I'm fine with somebody else taking his concept and running with it. And 
this also takes that and it seems to weave in perfectly the, the new character of X-23, the young girl who uh, was raised in captivity, basically, after being cloned from Wolverine's DNA. The 23rd attempt, all 20, the first 22 were males and died or were hor- horribly mutated in some weird way. And when they finally decided to make a female Wolverine, it was successful. Only this one didn't have a, any semblance of life. I mean, Logan was a drifter, but he had a life. He went out and got laid and beat people up and got into trouble. And she was raised in a lab and trained to kill since day one. And she certainly seems to be doing a lot of killing in this trailer. I don't know if it's just because I'm a dad that I cried just watching the fucking trailer or if the trailer was that fucking good. What, whoa, whoa. Okay, hold up. All right. Let's back this trailer that for whole, a second. What, I mean, what made you so emotional? It's a daddy-daughter story. I mean, granted, it's a clone, ultimately. She's not, oh, I got- she's not his kid, but she is his kid. Let's face it. Oh, I got you. I got you on that one. But okay, so it's just and it, it's the, a lot the, the father daughter dynamic. Yeah, is what got you. Okay, that that on top of you know, regardless of the ups and downs of the X Men films in general, I've always been sold on Hugh Jackman as as Logan. I've had no complaints about any of his his performances as that character. I think he's totally nailed it. And the girl who's playing X-23 is pretty fucking good, even though she really doesn't do a whole lot in this except for look pissed off. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even remember her saying anything. Does she actually speak? I, I, I literally, I, I came home, I hopped online, I fired up uh, uh, Skype, and the trailer was playing... As I was firing up Skype, so I've only seen it once. I don't think she did. Yeah, I don't believe so. She spoke very little in her, well, when she was that age as a character. Like, we're seeing X-23 here, or Laura Kinney, as she looks to be about less than 10 years old, I would say. She looks really young. Like, most, when we, when we catch up with her in the comics, she's, I think around 17, 18 years old. She's late teens, and then we get a lot of her backstory. What were you going to say, I Chris? I, said, I have an assignment for 4chan. What, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's Wolverine's daughter, right? In a sense. Yeah. Yeah. You have blades coming out of her pussy, and then you show Donald Trump trying to grab it. Hello, guys. It's like right in front of us. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> Rule 34 like a motherfucker, huh? She does have... <laughs> yeah. I didn't see any blades come out of her feet. Did I miss that? They might be no, saving that up I for a surprise. I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't see any... any uh, she doesn't any have any blades. coming out of her pussy that I know of. <laughs> oh, something I wanted to bring up real quick. Yes. Um, I, okay, I finally joined the rest of society and watched Stranger Things. Oh, okay. Very, very fun. Um, Two out of three of this podcast, so I guess I'm still, <laughs> I'm still the, the luddite in that respect. Oh my hey god! Man, it took me a while because I was like, 
Everyone says it's so great. I know. I I had and that I didn't want to be let down too. Yeah. I, the more people rave about something, there is a tipping point where I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to fucking watch it. Okay, perfect example. Just as a, as an aside, real quick, is I had never seen the movie Boondock Saints oh, until I, three years ago. I hate that movie so much. And that movie, I believe, came out in like what the, the mid nineties. Posturing bullshit of a nothing movie. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> and everybody I know is just singing his praises, and it's so great, and it it, it makes Pulp Fiction look like a fucking, Ugh. you know, like 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 just. Uh, I read the uh, thought of a Wood comparison. Film. Yeah. Oh my god. And I was like, Somewhere okay. All right. So a friend of mine, she's like, you got it. You've never seen it. And I'm like, no, I've never seen. It. Now I've seen the documentary it's about like the guy who Pulp made Fiction, it. If the dialogue was written by a five year old. But yeah. <laughs> So she's like, well, you got to see it. So she, we sat down and I watched it and it was over with. And I could tell she was waiting for me to say something and I didn't say anything. And she goes, so what'd you think? And I'm like, I think I heard 20 years of hype and that ruined the movie for me. <laughs> yeah. Because I went in expecting like, you know, the Citizen Kane mm-hmm. of, you know, I think that the indie no, cinema, man, it, and it, I, I, I got, I got, I got this movie instead. I believe you know? there was a no, you know, it's just a shit movie. Because I had friends that did the same thing to me like ten, fifteen years ago. Oh, you gotta see this. Oh, you gotta see this. I didn't fucking even. I didn't stay awake through it. Mm-hmm. I, it's like the, the movie was boring. I, I was just. It was. Yeah. I'm, I think maybe there was a certain level of camp of absurdity that they were trying to shoot for while still making it gritty that they just failed to hit that mark and they seem to instead hit the douchebag mark perfectly well if you've ever seen the documentary oh god about the guy about the guy who wrote the movie and directed it douchebag is exactly what comes to mind (laughs) yeah the guy is an absolute do all his interviews in an ed hardy shirt um, if it wasn't set in the mid nineties, yeah, pretty much he probably <laughs> yeah, would. Right. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so right. you know, oh, stranger yellow sunglasses. Oh yeah, so Stranger oh, yeah. Things. Stranger Things. So Stranger Things, I watched What'd and I think? was like, you know, I, I I really liked it. I did see a lot more connection to you know a lot of people were like, oh, the the, the Spielberg connections and and mm, this and that. I saw Stephen a lot King. more connections to Stephen King. Yeah, it was like than, a good Stephen King book. Then people gave it credit for. Oh, now, yeah. the, because it's me, and because I'm, you know, uh, 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 the type of person I am, I was like, okay, I'm not going to give away the ending, but you know, the ending leaves it open for a second season, which has been confirmed they're doing. Um, well, well, think about it, it this way, though. You, you if you're going to say we want to do a horror themed show that's kind of a tribute to the '80s, who's the king of horror in the '80s? Stephen King. King. So it's almost like saying, I'm going to be a grunge, uh, grunge rock cover band. Well, how many fucking Nirvana songs are you going to do? Probably a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, so I started searching, you know, the internet saying, okay, looking for, okay, when, when is the next season supposed to, oh, Oh, no, you didn't. (laughs) And I found, I found something that was rather interesting. The backlash against (laughs) Stranger Things. And the how, backlash against it, really? Oh, I thought you were going to uh, say you saw the story about M. Night Shyamalan wanting to put his Shyamalan a ding-dong on season two. 
No, no, I, I did. I mean, that was among one of the many stories I read. But okay. the back, the backlash was interesting. The backlash was more interesting to me because it, it seems to be a backlash against nostalgia. Period, and it was coming yes. from this very snarky twenty-something crowd. But no. about how the '80s sucked, the '90s sucked, the 2000s sucked. Everybody shut the the 60s suck the 50s everything sucks mm. everybody shut the fuck up and we're tired of hearing about your fucking childhood no one gives a shit so what you rode a bike without a helmet get the fuck over yourself more right. you should die starters millennials if you're gonna hate things no way you can fuck with Generation X we hate everything that's our thing <laughs> right exactly. well listen the the, exactly. the movie was structured around tropes. And there are certain tropes that they definitely leaned way into, and the crazy mom thing being the main one that I can think of. But there's also tropes that they subverted in ways where uh, the couple, who, the, the young co- teen couple who, who has sex, are not murdered. In fact, it actually the the young girl is empowered to actually take things into her own hands, and is probably the bravest character. Out of the whole series, the and one, she the one, the one who in the '80s movie would have been a victim, even in, in probably a Stephen King story. All right, question. Well, question. Stephen King, Stephen King has a habit of of going back to Carrie's first novel. He writes very strong female oh. characters. As far Come as on. All are those, you serious? That gangbang yeah. and it in the sewers? Are you fucking okay, kidding hold me? Hold on a sec. Hold, <laughs> a sec. hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, she wanted. Look at, look at <laughs> Carrie. The empowering. Look well, at, she did it. She did on. say yes. Hold on. Look at Carrie. Look at the mo- mom and Cujo. Look at Ellie. Carrie, from Carrie is about a mother's craziness being passed on to her daughter. Hold on. Hold that's on, like, hold that's on. not a pro. That's not a feminist film. Okay. She, just because Firestarter gets Al- revenge, that's not. Yeah, that's a. That's a woman. Going through changes that we don't understand, and so they must be dangerous. That's the fire start. Fire start. Okay, Carrie is about mental illness, and fire starter is about becoming a menstruating woman. Okay, Gerald's game. Didn't read it. Needful things. <laughs> okay, Rose Matter. Okay, maybe he came around in his later years. That's like literally. Last, I got three, I got three into a list of like you know fifty characters, and you started shitting on my point. <laughs> and what I was saying is, there's obviously he was what he was what in his early twenties when he wrote sure. Carrie. Yeah, most writers are. Sh- it's only in Western society we expect people in their early twenties to be at the peak of their creative powers. No, yeah, no shit. You know, it's, it didn't it's, even it's, used to be it, like we, that. We, like the writers, they were in their like fifties when they're getting famous. You know, exactly, exactly. Musicians. Bukowski you know? was like 60, was still working at the post office by the time you got seriously published. So, I mean, it's, like I said, you could see there's a, a growth as a writer, and he definitely holds women in higher esteem than men. In his later work, I mean, you can call it later, but I would say it started in the, in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. The last one uh, I read was the one that Kathy Bates was in the movie version of. Misery? I think Misery was the last Stephen King book I read, honestly. But I read almost everything up until then. Okay. So I, I jumped off while he was still on the crazy woman train. 
Oh, oh yeah. Then you missed you missed his uh, male feminist period, like yeah. big time. Well, anyways, what, what I'm Were getting they at, at is fair? <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> Crazy woman train. They opened up for Sarah McLaughlin. Uh, no, they opened up for Annie DeFranco. Like a um, trio. But anyways, uh, uh, yeah, I, getting back to the tropes thing, yeah, and one of the things I liked is that the the female protagonist didn't end up with the weird older brother. She went back with the fucking guy that, you know what I'm saying? And like, it, it didn't, I was like waiting for that to happen. Like her and the, the, right, the and weird then, older and brother to hook up and exactly the fucking jock nerd. And it didn't happen. Yeah, and actually the, the asshole guy ended up having redeeming qualities. Yeah, he, he was, he was, he, hey, guess what? This is what happens when you base characters on real people. He is right. just a conflicted teenage boy. Yes. That's exactly what fucking teenage boys are. They're part asshole. They're part romantic. And it's at war with each other. They, they, those two things are at war with each other constantly. Yep. Yep. You want to be cool to your friends, but at the same time, you know, you want to be the, the, the good boyfriend, the, you know, whatever, you know, in a relationship, but then you want to be cool with your friends and right. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it seemed to kind of almost, uh, want to rewrite history for us. And not, I don't say that in a negative way. It's like, yeah, we, you know, there was a lot of good fun things that we had about the eighties, right? We had good horror films and we had movies like the Goonies and shit like that. And there was some cool shit that we still remember and look fondly back on, but we don't have to tell those stories exactly the same way we can correct the mistakes that were made in those stories the the things that we were fed about uh gender roles or or uh generational gaps or whatever it might be and that right there is where a lot of the criticism that i found online right it's a resistance to that that mentality they're old they were like they were like they were like like, oh there's there's it's no gentrification way this... of our of our of the things that we love as a ch- as children. Well, one of the one of the main criticisms of it that I kept running into was, oh, there's no way that the the female protagonist would have you know stayed with the blow dried douchebag who would have been played by James Spader if it was you know 1985. And etc. Cetera, et cetera. And I'm just going, you know, wow, man. Have we really? really? I mean, you're able to look, overlook so many other things in movies and television, like the chances that she got the phone call as soon as she got home, and then somebody showed up for a two minute conversation that then had immediately to leave just to fill you in on some background information, and that's all fine. But the young girl is is strong. And it's the strongest character in there, and you're flipping your lid over it. This isn't real. And the, the whole structure, none of the structure the, is real. And here's is the it, thing, Aaron. Here's the thing. The, the, criticism, the criticism was coming from a quote-unquote feminist point of view. They were calling her out. They were calling the writing out. And I'm like, okay, so wait a minute. So if we'd have wrote her like a typical 80s you know, female. Is this everybody's the same generation saying this? That we're not supposed to put everyone in a box. We're not supposed to put a label on everybody. But right. then they label generation. themselves constantly. Yeah, yeah. They're That's constantly exactly. labeling themselves. Exactly. 
it was just, it was, I was like, wow, really? This is, you know, and this is, I mean, you know, it's like AV club type, you know, criticism coming at this shit. And I'm going, wow, man, is nothing can, can basically, I thought our generation, generation X was the shittiest, most dour motherfuckers that I'd ever met. Apparently you can't enjoy anything without being some sort of chauvinist or apologist or, you know, I mean, one of the, one of the critiques <laughs> of it. We can't there was do a an, podcast without shitting on millennials either. <laughs> well, one of the criticisms was that there was no, there was a serious lack of people of color in this uh, show on Netflix. And of course, white people loved it because it just builds up their fantasies of how the eighties were. And I'm like, Oh my God, my head hurts. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I need to double up my, my, my blood pressure medication. I'm going to stroke out from this nonsense. And a black kid. <laughs> okay, but at the same time, when a show like Luke Cage gets put up and white people enjoy it, oh, you're enjoying it. No, we talked about that. Well, no, no, actually they do because you're enjoying Believe the that not coon- in a good light. You're yeah. enjoying the coonery. And, the get- and, and it, it, it feeds into the white stereotypes of ghetto people. And etc. That's how come you like it, white right. people. We're telling you why you enjoy things, right? Because there's uh, there's good people, there's good people this? and bad people uh, of color in Luke Cage, but all the white people are evil. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember a good the, white uh, character in that. The, the modern day minstrel shows known as the Medea movies. Oh, Anybody? Not anymore. Anybody? I mean, it's late. Honestly, <laughs> no. It's too late to get into that conversation. Uh, yeah, I mean, but no. But also, three white guys were we not allowed to have that conversation anyway. That's right. no. That's that's the other. That's the other thing I loved is that the the critique of that I was reading that was shitting on Stranger Things. Basically, was it like right under uh, Medea the review for Medea Halloween or whatever the fuck that piece of shit was? It was out. No, no. No, basically, they, they shit all over it, and they shit all over anyone who liked it, who would happen to be white. And then they said, you cannot feel, you don't have the right to feel angry about this critique. You don't have the right to critique my critique because you are white, because I say so. And that's when I was like, wow. I don't think I've ever read a criticism that criticizes something and then criticizes you for feeling the way that they wanted you to feel. And they were trying to elicit that response from you and then go, see, you felt that way, but you don't have the right to, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's meta to the point where Dude, it's, it's the world's worst game show. It's called, it's, it, you can't, you can't win. win. There, yeah. it, it's, <laughs> there is no a scandal uh, in the, there is a gaming company, not one of the big ones like Rockstar or something like that. And I can't remember what they were called, but they make what they call B-rate first-person shooters. Basically, if you like Doom and you don't have to be overly excited about a story or amazing lifelike grass and hair on things, then and you just wanted to plow through a level and shoot things, they were making uh, movies or movies games for that audience. So they put out this press release with the code, the download code, to try out the game for everyone involved in uh, in in gaming media. And C zero zero N. What? Is this a gaming code? C zero zero coon. 
It's late, you know. You're sitting at the fire. I'm not following that one. So they also put in this whole disclaimer saying that in past, re- they've experienced during past releases that they've had some negative reviews based on their games being put up directly aside, uh, you know, Final Fantasy games and uh, Grand Theft Auto games and games that are you know, millions of dollars are poured into. And they thought that that was a, a very unfair comparison. So given that, if anyone publishes a negative review of their game, they will not be expected to get download codes for future releases. Wow. They had to, really? they had to come out and apologize for that. But, but basically but they're jacking positive reviews off right. of you. I it's, mean, it's not that they had that mentality. or not. Well, I guess it is the mentality. It's not that they would do something like that, because I'm sure plenty of uh, places have done that before. Even the big ones are like, well, this place, out, you know, we're not going to send it over to uh, this or that media outlet, because they always slag our games anyway. Like, but, but, to, but, to have, but to have this mentality of this is okay to think this. You've justified your behavior in the words that, that you put out there. And you can apologize for that all that you want, but you've shown your cards. This is how you think. It is late. Well, we need to go. We need to wrap it up. <laughs> okay. We're all over all the place. Right. I thought we could talk a little entertainment. It always goes political. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's the monster our society is built, I guess. But hey, if human ears, if this has made it to human ears, thank you for listening. You know, hopefully, like, you know, we joke, but tomorrow, everything, well, by the time you hear this yesterday, I'm sure everything went fine. Uh, but maybe saying that, I jinxed it. Who the fuck knows? But thank you. If you're listening and you made it, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading on iTunes, ChristopherMedia.net. Uh, we're streaming now. The last three episodes uploaded to the Christopher Media feed available. You can go to ChristopherMedia.net for that. We're on TuneIn.com. We're on Shoutcast. Uh, normally places you find streaming radio stations. Of course, you can download us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, all that fun stuff. On rate social us. media. And, um, yes, rate us five stars. Just, there's a button for it now. Just click it. Boom. You rate us. Yeah, done. The end. And... All that's at ChristopherMedia.net, at UnregimentedPod on Twitter, at UnregimentedPod on Instagram. Uh, you can email the show, UnregimentedPod at ChristopherMedia.net. Uh, thanks for listening, and we will hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll see, see you next, next week. week. We'll be here. <laughs> All right, later. Trump can't stop us.
If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net.